Hey everyone, Anthony Fantano here, and you're listening to the latest episode of the Needle Drop Podcast, where we do a series of interviews with content creators from around the world. And in this episode, we are having a conversation with two fantastic electronic and experimental music producers, Mr. Martin Schmidt and Drew Daniel of Matmos, who just dropped a brand new album titled Ultimate Care 2 on Thrill Jockey Records, gave a review, love the record, a lot of you guys love the record too. So hopefully in this conversation, they are able to, I guess, kind of give us a little bit of insight into the creative process of this album and what exactly drove them to, uh, I guess, create such a unique record and what exactly... Uh, uh, magnetize them to this wonderful Whirlpool washing machine, uh, the Ultimate Care 2, uh, all of which I believe uh, they just all the sounds throughout the record are sort of sampled from a wash cycle from that record. Uh, if I'm wrong on any of this stuff, they will very quickly... Uh, uh, correct me, I'm sure, uh, and we uh, will... anal point here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure we'll uh, uh, talk about their past discography and other and and any other stuff that sort of comes up in the midst of the conversation. Uh, guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks so very much. much. Cheers. All right. Um. So so yeah. Uh. I I know that you guys have uh, over the years sampled a really wide array of of sounds for a lot of your records. Uh, what exactly drove you to, you know, try out sampling a washing machine and sort of what was so interesting about that batch of sounds that sort of uh, made you think, you know, this is this is worth a whole record. You know, this isn't just a song or a bit of a song like previous samples that you've worked on. Uh, this is an entire record here. Well, Drew and I take turns being in charge of the records that we make. Oh, wow. Ostensibly, the idea was to uh, stop us from fighting so much hmm. because the idea that with equal power we fight and with equal power we don't fight, this does not turn out to be true, but we've stuck with this with this uh, structure. <laughs> okay. And, 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 and whose turn was it this time? It is my turn. It wow. was, was my turn. It's not my turn anymore. Martin. I get um, it. I'm, I'm going to go back. And I'm going to look through all the previous records. I'm going to figure out if, if that holds true, if, if this alternating style holds true, I'm going to go back and I'm going to figure out who made all my favorite Matt Most records. <laughs> and then me. that guy is just going to be my favorite. Me, Anthony. It was me. <laughs> I make the popular records. Yeah. Drew makes the records with the 14-word titles that take half an hour to explain. Got it. It's true. Martin created uh, Supreme Balloon and the Civil War. I'm responsible for, I guess, a chance to cut and the rose has teeth in the mouth of a beast. Mm. But and the marriage of true minds. Yeah, the ones with... And if it has the a preamble to the Constitution <laughs> of the United States of America, mm -hmm. we the people in order to form a more perfect union album. Mm. If it has a pretentious title, it's probably me. Um, and I guess what's happened is just this like course correction or couples therapy model uh, and since I had taken us into such an elaborate place that was also very labor intensive with the marriage of true minds, mm. it was Martin kind of snapping me out of my trance by saying, why don't we make the whole album out of that and just pointed right at the washing machine. It's mm. in our studio or our studio is in the laundry room, depending on the way you want to look at it. Got it. So convenience, simplicity, uh, the knowledge that as I am the house husband and I do all the laundry and I spend a lot of intimate time with the washing machine, I know that it provides a wide 
variety of sounds and that variety comes in time. It's cyclic, like a song. Uh, it returns to what it starts with, like a good, in my opinion, album. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's got it's got it all. I mean, I, uh, it, you know, it's got rhythm, it's got pitch, it's got uh, 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 what the fuck is the word? Uh, inter interval intervality. What the? How do you conjugate that? Uh, like just a family of pitches. No, no, interval, uh, like it's got sections in time that it changes within. Yeah, it's sort of segmented into something that feels like a suite of mini compositions within a bigger form. I mean, the scary part This was, is how we think about things, even stupid things, like <laughs> washing machines. I mean, you know... I stand dumbfounded at the sound of bad uh, air conditioning belts on cars sometimes. You know that, that like high squealing sound? Oh yeah, when the car gets going. Oh man. Or like there's a restaurant we go to where the ovens that make the bread make this really piercing high pitched tone and it kind of sounds like Richard Chartier or No Se Sacata or like some like really brutal like micro sound release. Hmm. But it's just this bread oven and it makes this incredible noise. And we try to talk to the waiter and waitress at the restaurant about it. Like, do you hear that thing? And they're like, what? We're like, that thing, do you hear it? And we realized they've had to survive around this noise by suppressing it and just not noticing it because it's so harsh. But, you know, our orientation is to always try to, like, embrace that stuff, embrace the everyday sounds that are just all around you and try to, like, find some peace with them. I mean, it's still scary to bet the farm of a whole album on a single object. I will say, you know, since I wasn't in charge of this record, I knew that it would be Martin's fault if the record was terrible. <laughs> and uh, there's a certain like, yes, dear conformist cowardice in that. I think every couple experiences that um, in some ways. But in this case, I think Martin was right. I mean, I don't mean to sound gross or like self-congratulatory, but it seems like it was a hunch or an intuition, but it paid off because the more time we spent with the sound and this object, the more we found there was just so much going on in there, you know? Hmm. And and that was really what made it like a fun record rather than something kind of excruciating. Uh, another sort of interesting thing about sort of sampling the washing machine in the way that you did, uh, and, and correct me on this if I'm wrong, it kind of seems like it comes with a preset ending or I guess sort of a preset amount of time uh, yeah. that you could sort of create the piece with. Uh, because if, if I'm correct, you sort of... Uh, uh, compose the piece along the same length of the cycle the washing machine was running through itself? Truth, truth be told, that was largely a coincidence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and that we make great hay at, out of, you know, when we talk about this stuff. Hmm. That I, 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 you know, I don't mean to sound disingenuous, but we, we, we do anticipate the talking about this stuff. Mm -hmm. We're not Autecker. You know, we give interviews and we love to talk and we know that the talk will get folded back into what people think about when they're listening to it mm -hmm. and honestly the the stuff we came up with to make up the album came out around 38 minutes and we realized oh shit the washing machine is about 38 minutes too we should say we did that on purpose <laughs> I mean, yeah part of it is like 
you're making a bid for people's attention. And I didn't feel that this was a double album statement. You know, there's some great double albums and there's some longer Matmus records, but this record felt to me like it would make the most sense if we made it conform to the frame of the experience of doing laundry, that you put it on and you endure that and then you don't interrupt it and it determines your attention. I mean, I think where we concede to the logic of the LP is that we really did build it as two you know, roughly 24-minute suites that have a puncture point in the middle, and that was designed so that the 38-minute version wouldn't be that different from the LP version. There's a kind of weird cut-up that happens at the midpoint that massages that thing that on the vinyl you have to flip the record. Yeah. So it is kind of, you know, we're, we're sort of folding the reality of the washing machine onto the reality of the turntable. And I think in some ways that re that's a reflection of maybe that we're so obsessed with albums as statements and with that album era of consumption for music. It's not really tied to the digital habit of like Spotify or, or how do you, how do you feel Anthony about the fact that it's one, one 38 minute track instead of being broken up? Well, I, th I think it's a bit of a breath of fresh air from so many albums where it seems like, it seems like that sort of format is, uh, dying in the digital music era and in the music streaming era where basically, uh, and you know, you guys sort of tell me your experience with this, um, to, to, I don't, I don't know if sort of streaming one track, whether it be three minutes or 38 minutes, that's sort of like, you know, one, that's sort of one click, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, having one track, if it's a 38 minute track, I mean, you guys can obviously put whatever price on it you want, but, uh, there are a lot of record labels <laughs> out there that I see influencing artists who sort of, you know, at least hit that standard 10 track, uh, number, you know, throw an intro in there, throw an outro in there, throw a filler track in there, just so that we get those 10 tracks at least, so that we can get that $1.29 price for every single track. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're very lucky to have always been on both Thrill Jockey and Matador have been very good. Their policy, both of their policies, we will let you shoot yourself in the foot <laughs> if you want. You can do whatever stupid stupid ass thing you want yeah it, and you know once or twice they'll i mean you know matador obviously i think di digital pricing always struck me as very unfair to say like grindcore you know like you buy like a napalm death album or something you're paying a dollar for every song but if there's 30 songs you know it just it doesn't work for like agoraphobic nosebleed or something um i think for me because a lot of my closest listening took place in the context of like psychedelic experience where I wanted these long form pieces to mm -hmm. take me somewhere, you know, and so I was really ready for a long, you know, ambient work or, you know, a Vladislav delay record like anima that is a single block that you really experience in that way. And yet I was worried. I was worried about ultimate care too, maybe not getting, um, not getting that sort of focus from people. I think ultimately though, you sort of have to trust that people will get it. If you explain what it is you're going for that, you don't need to worry so much and like condescend about it. And you can kind of let people, I mean, they have a progress bar, you know, if they have some 38 minute file, they can jump to the 20 minute mark if they want to. I'm sure. not, there, I'm not there to like, you know, arch my eyebrow at them though it, it, it disturbed it disturbed me i would arch my eyebrow if i was if i possibly could at them for doing that but 
It disturbs whatever that that's you've got some amazing eyebrows actually. I no, please please go into that. Please go <laughs> go, go please go into the eyebrow arching if if you want. Go into the stern talking to that you would give the person if you Man, could just magically I, appear there, <laughs> where, wherever that, it would be that this person skipped to the twenty minute mark in the song. If people want, they can they can Skype me up and I'll I'll glare glare <laughs> and glower. I mean, it's an arc that we put a lot of thought into about taking them across a particular sequence of um, emotions and also of frequencies. You know, I was very worried that the album would be so intensively like industrial clattering that it would kind of fry out people's ears. Hmm. And so we had to position the pieces. I mean, it's why that piece in the last three minutes is so harsh and strong is to kind of like wake people up after the more entrancing like seaside washiness of, of some of the previous segments. And so I don't feel that those segments have as much power taken out of context. I mean, we presented them with videos as a way of telling people about this project. And, you know, I think that's valid. But for me, the work is really meant to be experienced uh, from start to finish. You know, I, I don't demand that you just stare at your speaker like you're allowed to read a book or something, do some yoga. I don't know. No, no reading. <laughs> no yoga. <laughs> sitting, sitting like the guy in that Max L commercial. <laughs> you know that picture where the guy's sitting in the armchair and his that, hair? That's exactly how I was listening to the record. So that's perfect. Well ah. done. I mean, it's weird when you think about laundromats too, like laundromats are spaces where strangers have to be kind of close to each other and look at each other's socks and underwear. And you nervously read a magazine or look at your phone as a way of managing the weird intimacy of laundromats. And I think of this record. And Where are you going with this? Well, the sort of like schmaltzy, like reverie part of our record. Like, I think that that's true about the timing of laundry, that there's a kind of sanctioned time where you're doing something, you're doing a task, but in a way the machine is doing the task for you. And so you're licensed to just space out, you mm -hmm. know? And I think that that spacing out, that time of doing nothing or of zoning out is under pressure now because the workday has expanded. Digital tools mean you're always reachable. Why aren't you being productive? The, a culture of multitasking asks you to do multiple things at the same time. And I kind of like the dead time feeling of laundry, you know, like I wanted a record that maybe addressed that. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, that, that's, that's a best case scenario for somebody who, who just sort of spaces out and can't even tell like how long has our record been going, hmm. you know, that's what I'd like to induce. Um, well, one thing though, to, I think two or three of the first listens that I had given to the record, I actually was not sitting in the chair. Um, I was <laughs> sitting on a train to New York and then I was taking a few subways and I was walking around the city and it was actually, a. I don't know, kind of the the pacing of the record, especially the high intensity, you know, rhythmic spots where you're getting kind of all those metallic blang, bangs and clangs uh, was a really interesting soundtrack for that commute. Uh -huh. um, it, you know, like it was very clearly a washing machine a lot of the time, but it sort of fit the urban jungle kind of surroundings that I was in the middle of uh, at that time. I love um, what you're saying because we we the working title for the first six minutes of this album was mm. Train. Oh, really? Yeah, like that. That buildup from the water filling to this sort of chugging rhythmic pattern and yeah. then the sort of xylophone-like patterns that come in. Yeah, the working title for that was Train. So that's kind of cool that you were listening to it on a train. That was just the right place at the right time. <laughs> 
Um, and, and then after that, you know, I, I do like that generally just to say this before we go off to the next thing. Um, I do like a lot that it is, a, you know, just one single track. I mean, like you're saying, you know, you're not uh, sort of angry with fans per se if they're doing yoga while listening to the record. But uh, it's it's rare that an artist ever implies these days in the digital age, in the streaming age to their fans that this is one whole entire piece and you should listen to it in one whole entire piece. Um, you know, especially in a day and age where, uh, you know, and, and I grew up with mixtapes and mix CDs and, and I have nothing against making mixes, but I feel like just sort of generating playlists has become so easy that people are rarely, if ever, just listening to an album from beginning to end anymore. Um, just the other day, I was talking to some fans of uh, the show at a speaking engagement that I was doing, and uh, some of them were asking me, you know, what playlists I make or what playlists I put together. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I never put playlists together. I just listen to an album from beginning to end. <laughs> Aha! Aha! So, yeah, you got to preach that because it's true that fast forwarding to the emotional peak of something, there's an understandable kind of rush that a great song gives you, but the sort of family portrait effect of a cluster of songs and of the way that a, an image or a sound or an idea can kind of float across multiple songs, that's part of the joy of listening via an album is the joy of context and the complexity of like a whole constellation of, of pieces that affect each other through their proximity, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe answer each other or like a problem is proposed and then it's maybe solved over the course of, of a set of songs that are written. I don't know. I mean, an example here would be like Bjork's Volnikura, right? Which yeah. tracks the process of collapse of a relationship and the emergence out the other side. Yep. And if you just jumped to one moment, Yes, it's valid, and it was presented as a song with a title, but it's not really as effective as the synergetic impact of the sequence in sequence because it's reflecting on a on a bigger arc. And I think albums do that for us, but we have to we have to as listeners bring the willingness to to um, to give ourselves to give a little of our own like patience, you know like my long answers that go on forever. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, usually when I'm listening, I like to listen to music uh, uh, in such a way where I'm getting a certain vibe for an extended period of time, you know, longer than three minutes, longer than 10 minutes. If I'm going to be really sitting down and listening to music for a while or listening to music for a while while I'm doing something else. And usually the easiest way to get that one singular vibe going for an extended period of time is to just listen to an entire album that sort of features that vibe, features that mood, features that sound. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as I, as I grow ever older, I, I sort of increasingly realize, like, Oh, they figured this out like 150 years ago and they're called symphonies. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I feel like our music fails a lot of time because the concepts are, pulling us in a lot of different directions and we're being true to the concept, but that hurts the consistency of the album. I think that hurt our album, the marriage of true minds a little bit because it was conceptually all generated through the same, you know, matrix matrix of parapsychological experiments. But mm -hmm. because each transcript from a different psychic session was a very different one, the result was music that didn't really flow. And when you have albums that are highly diverse, you know, there's some highly diverse 
albums that are still amazing and hold together. Like I think, you know, Throbbing Gristle's 20 Jazz Funk Greats is one. Um, But I think that there's a big risk when you do that. Whereas albums that have a certain emotional continuity, like, I don't know, Nico, Desert Shore, um, there's, there's a, a reason that you put it on and you want to be in that world for 45 minutes and it doesn't feel oppressive and it doesn't feel samey. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, jumping around emotionally and stylistically sometimes is, is the aesthetic, you know, uh, sort of like with a band like ween or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, so that could be an appeal in and of itself. Yeah. The, what will they pull off next? Where else can they go? Sure. You know, I think there's artists that have that ability. I mean, the classic shape was that the rock album was like driving rock jams and then a ballad at the end of each side because literally to cut vinyl, there was less of a high end, high frequency response. It is still still true. Um, yeah, at the end. So you'd really? stick ballads at the end there. It's kind of weird to think about the technology being a sort of hidden contour for the way the art is getting assembled. But it's also like each side is a little bit sad that it's ending. <laughs> That's actually a really interesting factoid there, which has essentially driven the fact that uh, at, at the end of nearly <laughs> yeah, no, almost every-, every album that you hear, there's an acoustic cut or there's like yeah. a sad song. Yeah, put it put it at the end there. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting. I, I had no I, I I had no idea of that. I we I met the first uh, vinyl record I ever made in the late '80s. The mastering engineer was this guy. At Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, in the previously George Horn, George Horn, who mastered Credence Clearwater Revival, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I think he had been mastering for fifteen years before then. Yeah, he did and, all the Sylvester disco albums too. Yeah, I mean, this guy was was uh, legit. Yeah, o- OG as they say. Anyway, and and his first thing upon listening to the record I brought in, he was like, there's, it's too much crap at the end of the side. It's too much crap at the end of the side. You're supposed to stick a ballad there. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's how I learned this factoid. Yeah. Well, we still you, await our ballads. Maybe someday a Matmus ballad will, will be born. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, uh you know, it's just sort of interesting to, uh, to, to see how, you know, you guys are making experimental music and how it doesn't fit into sort of uh, uh, traditional expectations like that. But it seems like still when you're making music, though, you do have an ear or you do uh, you, you do sort of pay some attention toward, um, oh, is this going to be too harsh? Is this going to be too weird? Um, you know, especially as you guys are telling me uh, about your sampling process of this washing machine, uh, as you're sort of pulling it together, um, you know, how much is it in the forefront of your mind that we like these sounds, we find these sounds intriguing, but they have to translate as musical to the audience? Yeah, it's a big, it's a big part of the process, you know, um, and it also comes out in, in the quality control between the two of us. I, I make things that I might think are strong and Martin will say, you know, I don't, it's just not interesting. It just doesn't speak to me. And because Martin and I are very different people, the music that either of us proposes has to appeal to the pleasure centers of the other person. And that kind of mutual editing, or I don't know, we call it a co-tyranny, um, you know, 
it sounds like it's just about two people, but there is this third person in the room that's the virtual listener. I think if you worry directly about her or him, then you're pandering and it's bad. Sure. You know, like like there. Yeah, the road to hell is paved with people trying to sell out. Yeah, I think we try to balance, um, you know, conceptual tightness with the hope that these will be records that you can really return to. That it isn't like a candy bar and you eat it once and you're done. You know, I, it's the same with with a lot of like the challenge with humor is a little bit similar, right? That strong comedies are still funny even when you know the joke mm -hmm. like the, the gasoline fight in zoolander is funny the second the third the fourth time and i think with us even though we court this idea of novelty music or gimmickry you know and i think that's kind of a social category too that i would want to be maybe skeptical about um i want us to create something that can function even if you don't know it's made out of a washing machine or if you don't care that it's made out of plastic surgery. Hmm. Like it's important that we did that, but I don't want that to be the only justification for it. It has to actually be compelling on its own merits as just sound. Hmm. Um, and that's a harsh, you know, that's a harsh mistress because you can get pretty uh, intoxicated with the idea that like, well, I worked so hard to create this bizarre situation in which, you know, there's lasers and there's snails in a glass tube and the snails are interrupting the laser and that's going to a light sensitive theremin. I mean, it's, it's a lot of schlepping, but if it doesn't sound cool, then really why bother? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ed, go I, on. I, I gotta say when I originally had this idea, I, I knew that it was dumb <laughs> <laughs> and, and, at no point did we ever not know, like, that's kind of... It's so literal. It's kind of d dumb. <laughs> like, it's... I, I, we, we know. Like, I, 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 uh, a, a sort of less seasoned interviewer uh, asked us the other day, like, so is this... This is the first record ever made out of a washing machine? And I was like, I don't... I don't know. Yeah, really, you, you don't, I don't know. It, and, and it doesn't matter. Like, that's not... In fact, the idea was supposed to be so aggressively dumb as to sort of challenge, like, right, now... Now really so, do it. So what's important is, in fact, the music that you make out of it. Yeah. Which is al always... Which, you know, which is always the case. I mean, that's why it starts with such a didactic, like, here's a washing machine. But then within five minutes, six minutes, you're, you've, you've moved past that, hopefully. Hmm. And you're entering a, 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 a different state of mind. You know, like, I think that the, the, the sheer, I can't believe you did that. Like, there's a dimension to it that is about that fact. But by, you know, by seven minutes in, you're not obsessing about that. You're, you're having an experience, hopefully, you know? Yeah. No, you I mean, I, I think there are moments where uh, it certainly doesn't, you know, feel like I'm still listening to a washing machine, you know, specifically during the more uh, spacious and sort of ambient and serene passages in the piece. But it, it also feels like there was definitely a, a concerted effort to make sure that the, the presence of the washing machine was there, you know, peppered throughout different pieces of the track, just as kind of a reminder, like, this is what we're working with. Yeah. And that's what happens when we do it live. I mean, it's one of the weirdest moments 
I have to say in playing music with Martin is that when we play Ultimate Care live, you know, we bring the washing machine from our basement. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What? We, we bring it and we set we it up. We will be in, by the way, what, are you? Nice in Connecticut. Are you, are you anywhere near? You're near Prov Providence, kind of? I'm just no. in New England. So, you know, okay, yeah, we're going to play in Providence with Container. Next week. And uh, Chicago and Brooklyn. And, you know, we did this in Baltimore as a sort of test of can we do this? So we bring the washing machine from our basement with uh, a big garbage can full of water and a pump that is pumping water into the washing machine and it's draining and we do laundry <laughs> on stage live and about you know 30 minutes into the show we all stop and we just let the washing machine go for like three minutes and it takes a little solo hmm. and martin and i and sam the drummer from horse lords he's drumming with us on the washing machine yeah. we all just sit in chairs and just listen and let the sound be and it's just a really weird moment for me of not performing, you know, because the washing machine is the star in that moment. It's taken a solo. Um, and it seems to work. Like, you know, touch wood. I don't know how it'll go at other shows. We'll find out. But people really... Yeah, it went very well. And, I mean, Baltimore audiences are... are especially loving. Are especially patient and good. I, a DJ buddy of mine here said, yeah... DJing in Baltimore, it's almost too easy. I had people dancing to a crow, the sound of a crow for four minutes one night. <laughs> He's literally playing a field recording of a crow, like... <laughs> people are going off. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, we'll see if, it, this, if this plays in Peoria. I mean, obviously, during the washing machine uh, sort of bit of the performance, people in the crowd were going... <laughs> yeah, there was some some of that. They, yeah, they they were loving it. You no, know, but but during the uh, let's listen to the washing machine part, I was what I was really shocked by was that they were all and this was this was like a party night. There were like two hundred people, you know, drinking red, drinking and stuff. It wasn't like a, a culture bunker. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a seated thing. Yeah. Everyone was. Absolutely quiet and had their uh, their washing machine moment. I think that's the magic trick we want to pull off. We don't know if we can do it again, but that way of sneaking up on people with something that they know what it is. They already know it's a washing machine, but they encounter it in a new way and they kind of give a little bit of themselves to it and and it changes. So like that that's that's pretty cool. If if like you can have the same experience twice for the first time hmm. of hearing it in a new way just because of the context. I mean, it helps if you've massively amplified it, you know, it becomes physical in a different way. Yeah. Uh, you know, a few more questions here that I wanted to get into and I, and I have to look up these live dates now just to kind of uh, come on see, down. See come if I could come on down because I I, I kind of need to see this in person. We'll put you on um, the guest list. You're journalist. <laughs> uh, I was I was hitting up some people on Twitter asking them what they're curious about in regards to the new record, and one person asked me, uh, if if any, are there any sounds on the record that are not washing machine derived? Because I know that you guys are are you know uh, 
uh, have worked with just synthetic sounds before, like on Supreme Balloon, and you're perfectly capable of just, you know, deriving sounds that have nothing to do with samples or whatever. Um, you know, so, so were there just any purely synthetic sounds worked into the piece that weren't derived from the washing machine? Well, it, it all rests on the technicality of derived. Yeah. I, I sound a little like Bill Clinton saying it depends on what your definition of is. Yeah, you, I get it. You did not uh, derive it from that washing machine. I but here's it. what I'd say. like what, what we did that was a little weird was we made samples of the washing machine, put it onto my laptop. Then we sent that through this thing called a transducer, which is basically what's inside of headphones and also um, microphones. It's, mm. it's the thing that drives inside a speaker, the speaker cone. It's the mm. thing that changes electricity into movement yeah. or movement into electricity. Mm -hmm. So we sent samples of the washing machine through a transducer that was attached to the washing machine and it makes the washing machine vibrate and shake. And what we did was turn turns, up, turns the washing machine into a speaker. Yeah. It becomes wow. almost like a bass Jeep. So like it's throbbing with this sound. If you crank up a low frequency, it makes the machine shake. So we played at frequencies that caused a kind of feedback loop of the washing machine feeding back into itself, amplifying mm. itself. And that created these very pure pitches that sound like a tone, which I could then chop up. And so everything on Ultimate Care 2 that sounds like a weird synth is actually created through the feedback of a transducer on the washing machine. But it is originally the sound of the washing machine that is making that that is causing that. No, yeah. I get it. You know, it's from the washing machine, but you but you guys are kind of cheating. I get it. I get it. <laughs> sure, sure. There's also you if you listen very carefully in one part, you can hear me trying to play a part and go. <laughs> so there is that sound as well. That is not the washing machine. That's me going. Arr. I got it. I got it. Okay, so so after this tour, after these live performances, after these dates. Uh, will you replace this washer or will it just go back snugly into your washroom, into my, your practice room? My deepest wish is to just return it to where it belongs. I mean, poor thing. Poor thing. <laughs> I, yeah, like, it is not a gentle process, the loading in and loading out of gear into venues. Apparently in Providence, the venue is on the third floor, and it's upstairs all the way. Yeah. And, and are you guys handling this? Or, oh, yeah. You know, okay. yeah. So, so, so there's not like a couple of stagehands there. No. Uh, yeah. And, and even if there were, they would come downstairs, and they'd look at that, and they'd be like, fuck this. Yeah. Fuck there, this. We move music stuff. Not, yeah. yeah. There's a certain- No, like, we aren't fancy like that. We. Uh, there's a certain ride or die, you know, like- we we made this washing machine album with that washing machine, so god damn it, we're gonna bring you guys are gonna be buff as fuck tour. after the tour. <laughs> That's my goal. We're we're not, however, taking it to Europe. Yeah, we're gonna find another one in Europe. <laughs> and, um, I have a I have a young man in Berlin who is trying his best to find me an actual ultimate care too. He found one uh in Munich. In Munich, which is on the other end of Germany. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We just we don't want to go with some other brand like a Bauknecht or some German brand because a lot of those are very eco groovy and they're very quiet and they take a long time. They're like two hours long yeah. to run the cycle, which would just be kind of excruciating. So yeah, we're hoping for an ultimate care too in Europe. It's gonna be tricky. I mean, I feel like it'll be fun though, because we start the European tour at Bergheim 
And it sort of seems like a reductio ad absurdum of minimal techno to actually just play a washing machine at Bergheim. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. You know, the the your machine has a certain sound and you're also brand lawyer, the yeah. brand loyal. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, and it really it really does have. I mean, you know, the sound is the sound. It's yeah. not. We're not kidding. Yeah. It's, <laughs> if I started playing. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, since, since we made this plan i've been going around and whacking on other people's washing machines no, i get it it's like you know fender versus an ibanez or something you know i, yeah. I understand we're not going to suddenly bring the dan electro yep i think it's well yeah i mean maybe it's maybe it's just me but yeah i was going to say it's more like a guitar versus a like banjo <laughs> like, there's yeah, that maybe. there's that comparison to draw too yes yes all right, uh, this has been a great interview. You guys were super easy, super fun, very upfront. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to thank Martin and Drew for coming on here and uh, being on the show, talking about this latest record. Uh, I'm going to leave some links down in the description box where you can find out about their new tour and try out their new record. And uh, again, just uh, I appreciate you guys coming on the show. Thanks a lot. pleasure. Though Drew's name is Drew. <laughs> You said Dan. That's his, that's his last name. It's cool. Uh, yeah, I think so. Don't sweat it, man. It's all good. <laughs>